0: We're excited to show people what we got, man. It's gonna be dope. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Our our defensive line is super excited. You know, we're not we're not we're not like you know homage people. We we read the internet and stuff sometimes. Our D line gets really insulted by some of this stuff, bro. Like I think all of us are just itching to get at it, bro. And so um we're ready.
1: <laughs> that is BYU's defensive lineman, Uriah Tower. How'd I do? Uriah Raya but good job. And he's ready, PK. He's not like the Amish people. He reads the internet. He's been insulted. He's ready to beat somebody up on a football field.
2: Well, uh, I don't know anything about the uh, Amish people reading the internet, but what I do know is that DJ and PK next year have first dibs on our BYU player that can cash in on the NIL (laughs) as far as uh, interviews.
1: Name, image, into likeness, paid interview, weekly appearance. Oh,
2: well, Uriah's kind of a senior, so that might be tough to. Do. Oh. Is he a fifth year or sixth year? He's Maybe a super he come senior.
1: Back. He's a super oh. senior. It's all over, huh? Doggone it. Hurricane Ida forcing a venue change for Tulane and Oklahoma. They were going to play that game in New Orleans. Now they're going to. Go to Norman, Oklahoma. It's got to be a big old downer for them. That would have been a pretty good crowd. Remember when BYU went down there and it looked like there were 15,000 people there and looked like two-thirds of them were rooting for BYU. So, disappointment for the green wave.
2: Yeah, this hurricane, Ida obviously has just wreaked havoc on the area. It must be tough to live there, man. You know it's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. Is it this year? Is it next year? I couldn't imagine. I've been there several times for work. And it's a fun place and all this stuff, but uh, these things that come through, and my wife, uh, my yeah, my wife too, but my uh, two sisters and I have been having a little bit of a, a chuckle over Ida because she was a little hurricane. That was my mother's name, and so when I say that uh, Ida canceled the Cardinals preseason game, uh, we all we chuckled, but at the same time, we know it's a very serious situation. and... Man, this scene. I know its it's been th- several years that BYU couldn't play LSU there, but it seems like it was last year.
1: Number of programs announced starting quarterbacks. Alabama tab sophomore Bryce Young. Michigan installed junior Cade McNamara. Texas will start freshman Hudson Card. And after listening to you repeatedly list all the quarterbacks from Arizona, I did Google all those guys to see if any of them were Arizona guys. And although they weren't, two of the three are out of the Pac-12 footprint. Guys who you would think, in the olden times, in the before times, would have been Pac-12 quarterbacks. But now uh, Bryce Young is a Southern California guy. He went to Matterday High School, which has produced a lot of USC quarterbacks. And Michigan's Cade McNamara, he's a Nevada guy, so that's still Pac-12 footprint. The kid at Texas, Hudson Card, he's a Texas kid. So, Texas recruiting out of their own backyard there. Well,
2: yeah, Bryce Young, it's been well-known for a good long while, the one he committed, Yep. so a couple years back, that he is a, dwarf, a, a <laughs> player who normally goes to USC, and and the same thing with the Clemson quarterback, Lele, whoever you say it, uh, that's it, both of those guys, the two premier programs on that side of the country will have our guys, so to speak, they are California guys all the way, yeah, absolutely, a player of his stature. Uh, you hear about these guys when they're sophomores and juniors in high school.
1: SEC teams announced that a team that can't play will, uh, because of COVID, injuries or other reasons, will forfeit and have a loss in the conference standings. The opponent will get the win if they're ready. However, the SEC has announced they are ready to declare it a dual forfeit if neither team can take the field and give both teams losses. I don't think we've seen that before. That would be new.
2: Uh, unless Alabama has multiple ones, then we'll rearrange. <laughs> then we'll the change
1: the rules. the way do that with Ohio, Ohio State, State last year? Right. Exactly. i was going to say there's yeah. <laughs> a certain team in the Big Ten who got the benefit of the. <laughs> These dollar. are rules, but if common sense and the big dog need a little help, we're willing to yeah. adjust. Yeah. Vanderbilt would like an accommodation. Hey Vanderbilt, go away.
2: Sorry. <laughs> well, Commodores. we'll do it in baseball for you.
1: Oh yeah, sure, but not in football.
2: No.
0: DJ
1: and PK
2: hashtag
0: NFL. I think what's more realistic is once this
1: roster gets reduced, I kind of see these guys Wednesday taking some time
0: away. A lot of these guys will head back to where they're from originally, maybe. And then me on Wednesday telling them, hey, I'll see you guys Sunday night and here's where we're going to be. We just got to fill in that last blank. But I I don't see that realistically being uh, in New Orleans.
1: That's Sean Payton, the Saints coach, back to Hurricane Ida and all the disruption and this is just the sports disruption if you saw the the video out of there I guess the good news is there was less flooding than we remember from Katrina but there's a lot of wind damage and all that which is why he says realistically not in New Orleans. Uh, good news for the Saints was the Superdome didn't have any major damage. So they're hoping that the Packers Saints game in New Orleans can go off as scheduled on September 12th, but we're sitting here on August 31st so there's still time to figure that out.
2: There is, yeah.
1: Saints rookie quarterback Trey Lance is expected to miss about a week. 49ers rookie
2: quarterback. Excuse me,
1: San Francisco 49ers quarterback Trey Lance is expected to miss about a week with what Coach Kyle Shanahan called a small chip in a finger on his right hand, which is obviously his throwing hand. Lance suffered the injury with 15 seconds left in the first half of Sunday's preseason finale against the Raiders. A small chip. That sounds incredibly painful. He hit a helmet on a
0: follow-through on a throw.
2: Yeah, that, that didn't, that didn't well, say. Five, five days, is that what you said, or a week? A week. Well, I mean, they got a week. They got two weeks. Right. Yeah,
0: you got about two weeks to get ready. So
1: you could still go in the opener. NFL Players Association has accepted the NFL's proposal. They're going to increase COVID testing for fully vaccinated players because of the Delta surge here. So once every seven days instead of once every 14. And the Colts had to put three guys on the COVID list. The team announced, uh, it's not that they all have it, some of them have been exposed to it, but they've also got a lot of unvaccinated players, so Carson Wentz, the big name, but their Pro Bowl center, Ryan Kelly, too. But as you pointed out, PK, when they redid that exhibition schedule, they what they did is give themselves more time. Nobody was playing in that fourth game. They were sitting all the starters, so there's just no games on that weekend. and they got two weeks to get things in order now before the season
2: opener. Yeah, today's cut down day, too. Uh, They have to, what is it, 53 they have to get down to? So a lot of locals are crossing their fingers and doing whatever. Although Trevor Riley told us a story one time when you were gone that, you know, because the thing got pushed back, as you say, with a reduction of the uh, 4-3. to It used to be the Labor Day weekend, and he went to bed thinking he was on the team because the cut-down day had come and gone, but he got called in the next day uh, because they picked up somebody who was cut from another team and Trevor got bounced. So life in the NFL, uh, we wish all those kids uh, a lot of luck in making the team. Get, get as I think uh, Trevor was saying, it's like 37, 38 games, you got to be on the active roster or something to be able to get your first pension and all that stuff. And, you know, that that's real important. Can
1: you make it to the pension number, goal yeah. number
2: one? you got right. got
1: to get it, be on the roster for enough games to qualify for that pension.
2: Right, the active roster, yeah. Yes,
1: right. And obviously a lot of these guys will hear their names as they get cut, but then they'll get scooped up for practice squads in the next 24 to 48 hours. Practice which squads are expanded yeah. now. Which gives you so a what? shot at getting to an active roster when there's injuries. So it's 15 or 16 players now
2: in those practice squads. Okay, because it was 10. Yeah, so they've expanded yeah. it. And you're on that team, you get paid... But uh, you're basically a free agent, too. If another team picks you up, they have to put you on the active roster, not on their practice squad. Correct.
0: DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 2 1. Swinging a shot, screaming down the left field line, and gone!
1: The fifth multiple homer game this season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.
0: Oh, Tony! Deep and high and gone! Oh, 42 is a bomb to right!
1: The pitch, 3-1 is swung on, hit well to left. Back it goes.
2: It is gone. A two-run home run for Corey Seager to the opposite field. And the Dodgers lead it 5 to nothing.
1: Dodgers hold on to win 5-3. They beat the Braves and they pick up a game on the first place Giants who lose to the Brewers 3-1. Corbin Burns striking out nine Giants. A strong performance there. And PK, if there's one time not to go to the bathroom or the concession stand, it's when Shohei Otani is hitting. You can just hear the excitement, not just the announcers, but the crowd behind him. His 40 second home run, a majestic shot, and the Angels beat the Yankees eight to seven.
2: Well, don't hashtag at me, but I'm calling Shohei Ohtani the best Japanese home run hitter to play in the majors.
1: Well, who are you gonna go with? Before show
2: and somebody who hasn't been born yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that game I had on the Baseball Network and ESPN of cutting back and forth because the NL has got... Uh, four teams that are really, really good going after each other. Dodgers and Braves and then the Giants-Brewers. The, at some combination, I wouldn't be surprised if both those teams played, uh, both of those teams and all that stuff. From as the long as you
1: don't have anything happen crazy in the wild card game, yes, those would be the playoff matchups.
2: I mean, they're they're the really Phillies don't good. Come back, yeah. And so I was bouncing back and forth, and then the Yankees uh, with the Angels, they're doing cut-ins. So oh, Hattani with that bomb down the line. Uh, Stanton hitting one off the rocks and it just amazes me man I get it in some of these other places but all the way out in California when Stanton at the time hit that bomb they got that rock formation out there in center field we've all seen it uh, they panned the crowd. It seemed like there were 45,000 Yankee fans there. <laughs> it was amazing. There are New Yorkers everywhere. I know, but, man, that's as far as you can be away. And uh, they're going nutso, and the Angels, uh, that, was a, that was a game. A lot of home runs. The Dodgers and Braves, they all their runs came on home runs, I think. And the Dodgers scored all of theirs in the first three innings. And, and then you get the pitching duel with the Braves, or the Giants and the Brewers, so it's getting down to that time, man, where you're starting to see, okay, everybody's focused in on what's going on, and and the Phillies do still have a chance, Bryce Harper. They do. Having, uh, he homered. Having, yeah, pretty good season, MVP candidate. John Lester left for dead. Cardinals pick him up, and he allows one hit in six-plus innings.
1: Yep. Cardinals beat the Reds 3-1, to one and the Padres got a homer for, from Fernando Tatis Jr. to beat the Diamondbacks 7-5, to five, so the Padres are a half game behind the Reds in the wild card race. And, yeah, I was uh,
2: watching that game, too, and I told my wife, she, uh, I, I get to watch television upstairs until 8 o'clock, and then she takes over the TV and banishes me to the basement. <laughs> so it was in the first inning, so it was leading up to 8 o'clock, and two outs, they, the Diamondbacks pick off the runner uh, on first base, but they don't complete the play to get him out at second. And I said to her, oh, Better walk, fed Tatis. Don't give him anything to hit. Sure enough, they give him something to hit. Two nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How come you can manage the game? from right, and they had Utah. This, so <laughs> And you got a million. I mean, you got bench coaches now. You got people on yeah. computers sitting upstairs calling down, telling managers what to do. And they can't figure that out. That's old school. And story. I told her, I
2: said, you got Hosmer coming up next. I got a left-handed pitcher, this Gilbert. He's the one who got lucky, pitched the no-hitter against him the last time he faced him. And you got Hosmer coming up next, his left-handed hitter. I said, no, don't give him anything to hit. You don't have to walk him. But just do the unintentional, intentional walk if you don't want to literally have them jog down to first base because they don't do the uh, uh, catcher stands up with the right arm extended anymore. They just let them go down. to try to shave 30 seconds off a game um, when well, I'm fine with it. And so they pitched to him, I, I said, that was just ridiculous. And then Hosmer comes up, and he strikes out. I, <laughs> says, yeah, I told you ahead of time, why in the world did do that? It made no sense.
1: None at all. So Zippo. Uh, the good thing for the Yankees, despite that loss to the Angels, is the Red Sox lost too, although the Rays beat them, so the Yankees give up a game to, uh, to Tampa in the division race. Tampa, those seven up on the Yankees, and the Yankees are only two in front of the Red Sox, so I think there's a little more urgency with Boston there. All right, the Bees lose to Tacoma 10-5. They'll try to avoid the series sweep tonight at 8 o'clock. You can listen to the game on The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, that is what is trending. Those are the headlines, and they are brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, college football. For you youth fans, Frank Dolce at 8 o'clock. He's our Utah football insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He'll join us all season long. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, will be here at 8.30. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone.
0: the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: came in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Alright, question of the day. We got multiple questions, but here's one for you. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klayovkov gleefully tweeted out that the BYU-Arizona game has already sold 57,000 tickets. Who is doing the buying. You think he was happy about tweeting that out after that uh, tiny crowd at the Rose Bowl on, uh, on oh. Saturday afternoon? Like, hey man, we need some, we need some good news on the attendance front because that was pretty close to nobody showing up for that game.
2: Yeah, and the Rose Bowl obviously is so huge, it really shows. And they it off. do those yeah. panoramic shots; it looks even emptier than it really is. Because, uh, man, that's a great. That was a great place to be last Saturday afternoon if you wanted to practice social distancing. Uh,
1: yeah, you funny there. you should mention that, PK. <laughs> I have a friend from uh, my UC Santa Barbara days who is a, uh, was a longtime UCLA season ticket holder, and he moved to New York and took a job there, and he's back there for, I don't know, five or six years, whatever it was. And he just moved back to Los Angeles. And I texted him, I was watching the game, and whenever I watch UCLA, I think of him. He's a huge Bruin honk. and uh, And I texted him, I said, Are you watching this? Are you actually at this game? And he texts back, I'm at the 45 yard line and we are all by ourselves. (laughs) Totally social distanced at the 45 yard line. He also said he's not going. He referred to it as the uh, COVID Bowl with LSU. He didn't want any part of that. Well, there'll be a much better crowd, obviously. UCLA fans will show and Bruin or uh, LSU fans will. We'll be, there'll be a lot of purple and gold. You
2: know, I think it was way hot, too. And it was. It was an opponent that they were probably going to win, but still, it's the first game of the year. It's like baseball. You could be the crappiest team, and they always seem to sell out when you have your first home game, particularly if it's literally the first game of the season, and then the next night the tennis drops off. But you would think the first game of the season, and expectations clearly are the highest they've been under Chip Kelly. We'll see how good they are. I think they're going to be decent, and they're going to be tough to beat. I uh, don't know what that's going to translate to the amount of wins but they're this is the best team he's had which naturally should be the case or else it'll be the last team that he has <laughs> either way. So, yeah, I, and I was thinking about this, well, I'm thinking dude, BYU owns Vegas and I know Dave McCann has a story about that in the in the uh Deseret News that I was reading this morning and preparing for the show uh about that and Dave obviously has the long time Vegas ties there having worked there for many years and knows very many people and we know we had on Mark Anderson last week uh, and he is a longtime reporter sports reporter for the review journal speaking how and uh, when we say it we're Homers but he said it what what we've been saying for years is that BYU saved the Vegas Bowl from extinction. Uh, way back when when they went there what, was it five times in a row? We know that to be true. We know that BYU fans flood Vegas when BYU plays, particularly BYU football. I've seen it in BYU basketball over the years, having covered so many WAC and Mountain West basketball tournaments. So you'd have to think, come on, George. By George, you know darn well. Why are you saying that? Particularly because he worked in Vegas.
1: <laughs> he, he knows. And so hey, his job his yeah. job is to sell the Pac twelve. So if right. there's a Pac-12 team playing in a venue where he wants to put a lot more Pac-12 teams, he's gonna oh. sell it. So he's pumped. Fifty seven thousand tickets. Now, if I had to guess, and this is purely a guess, I haven't haven't talked to anyone who would have any knowledge of the numbers, but I was at that the first of those five Vegas Bowls, and you were there. Well, you may have been at all of them. You were at most I was there, of, them. All of them. You yeah. were at all of them, I knew you were at most of them. Uh, that BYU Cal game. Uh, there had to be twenty-five or thirty thousand BYU fans in a crowd of forty, and so looking at this number fifty-seven, I assume right away BYU is going to have thirty thousand fans there. If Arizona has twenty, that would be a strong showing, and you got to figure there's seven thousand tickets out to. Uh, Casinos and local Vegas businesses, and you know all that kind of stuff. There'll be seven thousand rando either business opportunities, call it random college football fans, whatever. There'll be a few of those. Vegas, <laughs> Vegas has a different model for selling tickets that most most towns don't have. So,
2: well, I think what you'll get too is an opportunity for Vegas folks just to see the stadium, right? Yeah. Because they didn't they didn't last uh-huh. year, and they've had some concerts. I understand Guns N' Roses was there uh, last weekend. I know some people. From around here, uh, some casual friends of mine went down and uh, participated. And I've seen plenty of people in uh, concerts. (laughs) There's one time, I think it was a Buffett, Jimmy Buffett concert. I don't remember specifically. I've seen several groups there over the years. And the people right next to me uh, were Utah people. And the show's over. The guy says, uh, hey, can I get a picture with you? I said, yeah, I get a little sheepish on that, thinking, why the heck would you want a picture of me? But nevertheless. Because you're Patrick uh, Kinney and you're PK, PK, baby! Uh, It it (laughs) doesn't resonate with me. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) But uh, so we take the picture, and his wife took the picture of me, of the three of us, my wife and the other guy. And then afterward, my wife says, boy, that was really stupid. He probably wanted his wife in the picture. Why didn't I take the picture? (laughs) (laughs) And I think because she, you know, when I did Channel Two, she came down a couple of times, and we tried to pan the camera toward her. No, and she, she's having she none would of stop, that. Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> and so we laughed about that on um, the whole way. Uh, we usually stay in Saint George when we go to those concerts uh, to be closer to home. If the particularly if they're a Saturday night. We laughed about it the whole way. I mean, it's, you know, that, that was so stupid of me. So the point being, there's a number of people that go down Vegas for a number of different reasons, whether it be gambling, whether it be shows, uh, trade shows, sporting events, whatever it is, golf. Uh, the list goes on and on as to why Utah people are heading down to Vegas. So I'm thinking Klyakov sounds like he's bragging about the Pac-12, but he ought to know that... Th- I There's think it's going to be lot. two to one.
1: Okay. Yeah, I had three to. I had sixty percent. You're going sixty-seven percent. Yeah. I, I just got a text from somebody who's like, "It's going to be two to one in terms of BYU fan
0: Arizona fan disparity."
2: Yeah. There you go. Because I think the Cougars held their own. I was there when they played in the Cardinals Stadium a few years back. That was Kalani's first game, was it not? If Correct. I remember correctly, twenty sixteen. And the nine-year-old Jake Elroyd kicked that field goal to win? <laughs> the
1: nine-year-old. <laughs> sure seemed like he was nine. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> awesome celebration, him hopping and skipping back to the bench, though, after that.
2: Uh, his Good. parents were there to drive him back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Green cleats and all. <laughs> hey. I remember asking him, how old are you, man? <laughs> you look so young. Jeez. And they held their own on that. And that, uh, obviously, the Valley is a hotbed of U of A people. Uh, as it would be uh, because of the, just the proximity, and it's close enough to drive up to Tucson, uh, certainly, and you can get back you know at a somewhat reasonable hour or stay the night in Phoenix. So they held their own there. There was a fair amount of BYU fans. I can remember uh, standing outside, walking into the stadium, and I saw this little dinky car, and it was uh, had five BYU fans, and they had their windows down because they didn't have any air conditioning. And it's hot. It's really hot that time of year, this time of year. And I just laughed to myself, man, they should have air conditioning. If they drove from Utah all the way down, that would have been rough with the windows uh, having to been down. But there was a lot of BYU fans there, too. So here, and, and you know, I'm planning to cover the game for the station, and I'm going to go out uh, outside at halftime, and I expect to see at least 1,500 BYU fans in full regalia smoking.
1: There it is. Hit it. Come on, Yach. Let's play the hits.
2: <laughs> and it's Vegas, so you don't know what they're smoking.
1: hey oh. <laughs> Those are cloves, BK. Come on now. Uh, it's supposed to be 102 degrees Saturday, so yeah, if you go outside for the uh, whatever it is, it's going to be hot. Yeah. But it could be much hotter, so I guess you take 102.
2: I was oh, yeah. at six different uh, Las Vegas bowls, okay. Uh-huh. And in
1: 2009, I was at the uh, the. I went out at halftime during the, the 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 game there, and there were I counted exactly 24 fans in
2: full BYU regalia, out smoking cigarettes. I don't believe it.
1: Well, that was after a satisfying 44 to 20 win over Oregon State. They were already in control at the half, so maybe that would explain it.
2: Yeah, but was that the game that the wind was howling like crazy? Was it? Yes. I think it was that game. It was the wasn't Oregon it? State game. Yeah, yeah. It almost blew the Hoff over when he sang the national anthem.
1: <laughs> the Hoff.
2: <laughs> and then it came by in the press box. I was this close to the Hoff. Man, that was that was one of the highlights of my whole trip down there. That and that one time, well, the Cal game a couple of noted singers the lead singer from county crows and myself the two of us drove were on rode up the elevator from the ground level up pat, uh, to the press box uh, area the lead singer the county crows look it up he's a cal fan and the two of us and we just looked at each other and we both smiled and pointed at each other and said yep and he pointed back and said yep too <laughs> Oh, man. So 57,000 tickets. <laughs> the 21st night of September. Oh, body to body to body to body. Now, December brought a love we shared in September.
1: <laughs> you have the gift. So 57,000 tickets, are there going to be enough walk-ups? Because there are BYU fans in St. George and Vegas, and they can drive up from L.A. and San Diego and Phoenix. That's just 8,000 more fans for a sellout. Is the place literally going to be packed? Or is this the kind of thing you don't really do a walk-up for the first game? If you're going, you've already bought your tickets. Because
2: they're they're close. I don't know that they're going to sell it out, but I do know. I think they should. If I'm the Pac-12, uh, I try to get BYU every year there. and Just rotate Vegas? through
1: different Pac-12 opponents?
2: Vegas would absolutely love it, man. And depending on what happens with the Big 12, uh, actually, I to me, if they go to the Big 12, I think that enhances BYU status, not decreases it, as opposed to being an independent, because then you bill it as Pac-12, Big 12, and yeah, I mean, every year those five years, the crowds were great for the Vegas Bowl, right? It's like and, and they, they kept going to the Vegas Bowl. It was like the old days where they kept going, going to, the to the Holiday, Holiday Bowl. Bowl, right? Uh, and I don't, I'm sure the crowds were good there. I don't, you know, I don't even remember watching any of those games. They were uh, uh, that this would Vegas would love to have it. They would love to have BYU there, and Vegas. The town itself produces a decent, for the size, a decent amount of high school players. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. There's tons of Vegas guys playing college football.
2: BYU, you want to continue to build your brand. I don't know that it would happen, but I think attendance-wise and all that, early in the season, yeah. I mean, Arizona's not good. It's a circumstantial situation that they end up being on a 12-game losing streak here. But they got Jed Fish, and he's got a breath of fresh air. Uh, We'll see what that means when they get out on the field. Uh, But, you know, you're probably not going to get an opponent on a longer losing streak. And you're still going to have 57,000 people there, uh, at least. Uh, That's pretty impressive. It's just that, to me, it's more evidence that the Cougars will come if you play it. The Cougar fans will come, and I don't understand why people want to argue about that. It makes zero sense to me. They're there, and they will continue to be there, particularly if they have this season, which I think is such a pivotal season. Because if they go have if they go nine and three, then that proves Kalani Satake is building a program. And boy, if you give BYU fans any reason of optimism. They'll show up in droves. They, some of them may be smoking, and some of them may be even having a, you know, uh, well, hey, think about it, you know, alcohol. They're going to be there.
1: Uh, now people are going to tweet that shot of people walking up the aisle wearing gear, holding two beers.
2: Do we know? I mean, because uh, Mountain Dew kind of looks the same, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I'm not a Mountain Dew guy, but. this does not look the same. Well,
1: Mountain Dew it, looks like something else. Like what? Urine. There. I said it.
2: Well, what does beer look like?
1: Uh, a different color urine. Have
2: you ever tried Coors?
1: <laughs> Mountain Dew has that green shade to it. I was going to say, Mountain Dew's got like that
0: fluorescent green yeah. to it.
1: Ah, yeah. People are weighing in, PK. It's right. uh, Gabe. 57,000 fans. BYU. Our fan base is awesome. Last time we, Brooks says, last time we played Arizona in Phoenix, that was a home game for BYU. This should be even more so. The two-hour drive to Phoenix was just too far for Arizona fans, I
2: guess. Mm, I don't remember it being overwhelming for the Cats. Maybe I'm misremembering sitting in a press box. And the, the Cardinals press box, they have you way down in the corner. So you're looking like over to your left out on the field. So it wasn't uh, the traditional in the middle where you no, had an advantage point. I
1: think that's uh, how stadiums used to be designed. Now they're putting really expensive luxury suites at midfield, and the media can sit in the corner like you're in a baseball stadium, you know, one of the old multi purpose stadiums. Dave says the Cougar Club sold their allotment in less than an hour. It's going to be a BYU home game down there.
2: Well, I always felt it would be slanted.
1: Well, when you've been to, if you went to a Vegas Bowl or if you went to a BYU UNLV game in the Mountain West, BYU fans were always there in droves. There was a game, Vegas had a decent team, and uh, BYU, I think, scored late. And I don't think it was to win the game, I think it was to put it away, I can't remember exactly, but it was um, uh, Doman running into the corner of the end zone, and of course he ran straight to a bunch of BYU fans who were celebrating, because there were thousands of them there. He couldn't miss them.
2: You can't miss them. Especially when they're smoking and drinking beer. They really stand <laughs> out.
1: <laughs> or, or, or leaning over the field cheering. <laughs> Matthew says, Yeah, Vegas, baby. The quorum of the 34,000.
2: Does that has some spiritual meaning, the 34,000?
1: No, that's going to be the number of BYU fans in attendance I think he's predicting.
2: Uh, let's see, 34, I'd probably go maybe a tad higher.
1: 36, 38, 2-1 uh, would be 38-19, to 19, assuming there's no neutrals and that all the tickets to go to casinos have gone to BYU or Arizona fans. And
2: I think there'll be some neutrals. I mean, some yeah. people are just going to show up because right. it's there. Take your kid. Yeah. You can probably get a cheaper seat to that game versus the Raiders and the crowd is not going to be obnoxious. I mean, the, the the newest thing now is to get on social media and see the fighting in the stands. Oh,
1: my gosh. All and, the time. Yes.
2: And, and So you're just playing the odds, and it probably wouldn't be... It
1: would be great if you uh, didn't have your seven-year-old in the middle of a brawl.
2: Yeah, and so you're probably going to have uh, a better chance not to be involved in that, particularly if you're sitting close to the BYU section, because I know there's some renegades, but... A lot of BYU fans, obviously, are not going to be intoxicated. But the but the the uh, you know the pro sports, they want to eliminate that. Uh, where's your $13 for your 7-ounce beer, please?
1: And you can have two of them, so that'll be $26. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, they say. Yeah, they I just saw
1: about. one of those videos you were talking about. Like last week, there was Padre on Padre violence, and somebody like three rows up was shooting it, and guys were just swinging away, and people were clearing out, and that's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief, man. Last thing I need to do is have two guys behind me start brawling and just catch me with a straight fist. No thanks. Yeah, I once so. got
2: kicked in the face at a concert as a residue of a brawl because they were uh, ahead of me, you know, in the amphitheater-style seating, obviously. So there were two rows behind me, and it spilled right over, and the guy who was in the row right behind me ends up literally kicking me right in the jaw.
1: Good times.
2: Yeah, and, and I was able then to get him in a full Nelson to pull him off uh, and try to restore some order. Not that I cared that these two ding-dongs were brawling. I just didn't want to be a part of it.
1: All right, so now I guess we just watch this game and then we wait for uh, someone associated with uh, the Raiders or Allegiant Stadium to, come, to call Tom Homo and make the multi-year offer. And then Tom says, well, you'd be moving one of our home games. It has to come at a price, as you know. Because this was supposed to be a BYU home game, wasn't it? Wasn't that a three-game deal with one game in Phoenix and then a game in Arizona? game in Tucson, a game in Provo? Originally, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. figuring it went from Provo to Las Vegas for a price.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Because did they know at the time that the stadium was going to be built and the Raiders were going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I thought they did. did. I thought they they did. did. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember that.
1: That um, all—all these deals were cut. This will be the Chargers' fifth year in LA, so it'll be the Raiders. I think the Raiders decided one year later to go to Vegas. Okay. So I think they've had four years to you know plan events and start scheduling stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, there's all sorts of talk at Notre Dame. And that will not only be a sellout, it will be the most expensive game BYU fans have ever gone to. Right. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, that one, because Notre Dame can play anywhere. Yeah. And... They
1: know they're going to sell 65,000 tickets, so they're going to price it like they're selling 65,000 right. I mean, whatever, tickets. Right.
2: Whatever the capacity is, mm-hmm. that's what Notre Dame is going to do, yeah. And, and particularly when they play away... Uh, from their usual places where they play. I mean, my goodness gracious, they've moved, Notre Dame fans.
1: Yeah, they've moved Notre Dame. There's stuff to price it on. They've moved Notre Dame games to neutral sites before, and even in the West, because Notre Dame played Navy in uh, San Diego like five years ago. And so, you, you know, you can look at what the secondary ticket market was charging then, because that gives you a real good gauge of what the value is and what you mm-hmm. really should be charging for those tickets. Yeah. So,
2: it, it, you're right, it'll be top dollar. I wouldn't say even in the West. I would say especially in the West.
1: Especially. You're right. But they've moved games to Texas. They played Army in San Antonio in the Alamo Dome one year. They've moved games to uh, Florida. I remember watching Notre Dame in the Citrus Bowl playing somebody one year.
2: Right. So the the longer the distance away from South Bend, I think the more expensive it gets.
1: Because there are people who don't get to see Notre Dame as often. Right. And then if you go to a city that people are like, oh, I'll spend a weekend in Vegas. Absolutely. I mean, it's... No surprise they went to Orlando. How many people had a side trip to Disney World? You know, So you turn it into an event, you turn it into a weekend, and you charge top dollar, and that's right. what's going to happen with that game. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, Utes, Frank Dolce, Utah Insider, is going to join us in 20 minutes. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, 830. Both guys are going to join us every week, all season long, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
0: It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Uh 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 The new-look Aggies hit the road to take on Washington State to kick off the Blake Anderson era in Logan. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the pregame show at 8. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football. The 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network.
1: Football Friday presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to Grand Dental Care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. DJ and PK, multiple questions of the day up on our Facebook page. Visit there, DJ and PK. The show never stops. Utah State quarterback Blake Anderson staying quiet on who his starting quarterback will be in Logan. Opting not to reveal the news. PK, how Anthony much Bonner. of an upper hand can you get? I, I wonder in Utah State if he's not revealing the news, in part because he wants to see both guys in the game, so he makes sure he picks the right guy. But if you really 100% know who the guy is, is, it, is there really any advantage to this game of cat and mouse? Is there any really payoff to sitting guys? Or not sitting guys, but hiding who the guy is, who's sitting, and who's starting.
2: Yeah, but if Bob's doing doing it, why shouldn't I do it? Why give him an advantage? He's not giving me advantage because Rolovich is doing the same thing. You got the Guantanamo kid from uh, Tennessee, and then the Delore, We saw him as a freshman. They ruled out Cam Cooper, reading from the Spokesman Review.
1: Former yesterday. Lehigh quarterback
2: yeah and so doesn't he's getting up there and eligibility wise it doesn't look like he's uh on track to start any games there uh so if rolovich is doing it why wouldn't i do it
1: i'm waiting for a coach to go the other way announce the starter and just lie about it and start the other guy
2: no you can't do that
1: okay then play the other guy (laughs) cross him up
2: okay you can play him but you, you can't you don't want to get off uh, particularly – these. The, both these guys are new. You don't want to get off so on a stretch of being a liar. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't work. Well, the
1: That's team would any have anymore. to know it's coming. Uh, the team would have to know.
2: Yeah. Uh, they, they want to play the cat and mouse game. Uh, so, so be it. I, I think that when you're in both of these team situations is because Arizona, you know, Fish is an NFL guy most recently, and he announced that he's going to play uh, Plummer and Cruz, both of them, uh, but you're not sure – You know, what order, but when you look at it and talking to the BYU coaches, they're thinking, all right, start who you start. Uh, We got to focus on ourselves, too, and particularly Arizona, uh, whether he announced it or not, uh, I don't know that it makes any difference from their pre-game preparation. They've lost 12 games in a row. They got to find a way to move the ball and worry about getting first downs and see how you go from there. So they got so much on the point I'm making is Arizona has so much on its plate if that uh, Kalani didn't want to announce that Jaron Hall, which was the obvious candidate and has been since spring ball, that he was going to be the starter, and he wanted to play the cat-and-mouse game. game. If I'm Jed Fish, like, uh, that's – not not I mean the expression is it's the last thing you would care about. It wouldn't be the literally the last thing, but it's down on the list because if you're Arizona, you got so much uh, uh work to do to get your team to the level that you wanted. I don't know that you're even gonna get there this year, right? You lost twelve in a row, so you gotta completely worry about yourself. so I think you can go overboard on that, but for whatever reason, Blake Anderson wants to play this game and He thinks it gives him a competitive advantage. And sometimes I guess, you know, maybe if you think it, it could actually happen. I I just don't know that it's that big of a deal. It's like you take the the golf the other day. I mean, Cantlay knew he was going to make it. Even when he missed it, he knew he was going to make it. And I don't think DeChambeau thought, "Mm, hmm, this is going to go in. He was thinking, I hope this is going to go in. But I don't think he knew this is going to go in. Whereas Cantley knew this thing is going down. I mean, unless it's, you know, 85 feet with four breaks or something ridiculous. But anything within reason, this thing's going down. So I don't know that if a coach can say, we're going to go with this guy and this is going to be our guy, that that really is going to be a difference maker as opposed to, man, we're going to really just trick these guys you can't control what the other guy is. This isn't an individual sport, like in golf, with watching those two guys putt. You can feel it watching it, just looking through the television. Deschambeau wasn't sure, and Cantley was. I don't know as a coach you can transfer that to a player, and you can say, well, if we don't name it, this is going to give us a huge right. advantage.
1: In this era where the Power Five teams, they all have not just the full complement of coaches, but they got all these analysts. And they got the whole offseason for the opener. I'm figuring Arizona already saw every snap that Hall and Romney have taken in games. They found him. And it was a couple years ago or whatever. They found him. They know everything about both quarterbacks long before they got to game week. They're ready to go. I guess the guys who really, I get it, they don't announce it, are the guys who are going to play too. If you are going to play too... I guess it makes more sense, but they're probably prepped for the two. So I just still don't
2: see what it what advantage you get. I just think in the first game, man, you've got to be worried about yourself Self, so much because yeah. you haven't taken the field with this group. There's no team, maybe, maybe there is one, but I doubt there's any many teams that return all 22 guys. From one year to the next so and it's the first game you're not in college or the pro where you have preseason, or you don't even have you know you bring in another local team or a regional team and you practice against each other before it ends up you have to stop it because of fighting <laughs> but uh, so you don't you don't even have that it's just the same dudes going at each other for three weeks and really for six weeks because you count the three weeks of spring ball too so It's something that you've got to see what you're about. And then if you're a good enough coach and you see what the other team's about, you want to be able to make the adjustment anyway.
1: All right, DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back, Frank Dolce, Utah insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network, joins us next. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver at 830. Stay with us.